Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. So hello everybody. It's Jessica here um, for our sixth episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. And today um, I'm on my own. So last episode we talked about cholesterol and I think that um, I just wore Derek out. He just didn't want to come back for this one. So <laughs> he, um, no, he actually um, just could not be here for this one. And really, I don't need help on this one, I don't think. I know it's more fun probably to have him on the episode as well. And he can kind of ask questions and we can kind of bounce things off each other. But today I am going to do another solo one. This episode is going to be on um, what to do when you stall on keto. So um, a lot of clients, and I need to stop doing that. Derek told me the last episode, I don't even realize I'm doing it, but that when I record these episodes, I say, um, like all the time, like a million times. And that is so annoying to me. I hate listening when somebody does that. And so I am so sorry that I am doing that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm new to this whole thing, and it's really hard to not do that. Uh, when you're recording a podcast, you don't really realize what goes into it, and you don't realize um, how somehow just knowing that you're being recorded, it's not like I have anybody sitting here looking at me when I'm doing it, um, other than Derek, if we're recording together, but um, somehow it still makes you really nervous because you're trying to remember, you know, I try to write down notes and you're trying to remember what points you wanted to talk about. And because especially in a topic like cholesterol from last week, that is such a vast subject. And there are so many things you can talk about. And I am certainly not a cholesterol expert. Uh, I know enough probably to be dangerous and to help out my clients and work with people that are struggling with cholesterol issues. And, um, you know, I've read enough of the science to have a good understanding myself. And I feel like the best way to learn anything is to teach it to others. So I definitely learn more and more about cholesterol really every day. And certainly every time I teach a seminar, uh, certainly when I was studying and researching for the podcast notes, and then um, you know, working with clients and, and when they have uh, cholesterol questions, you learn um, a lot just researching for them and trying to give them the best answers. Um, but anyway, even not having all the answers to something like cholesterol, you know more than you think you do when you get into those discussions. And then I tend to like get out, you know, kind of get out in the weeds a little bit or go down these rabbit holes that I didn't really mean to go down and uh, and then you kind of forget where you were and you try to look back at your notes and remember what you wanted to talk about. And then I start saying, um, um, and it's so frustrating and I hate that I do that. So I'm going to try really hard not to do that on this episode and try not to do that. Okay. So I've wasted plenty enough time going over all that. I really try to just get into the episodes every week for you guys. So you don't have to listen to me just, just bannering and just talking 
Um, so there I did it again. So anyway, okay, so what is a keto stall? Let's just get right into it. Um, so lots of people have had amazing weight loss and inches and increased energy and all those things. And pretty much you get that right from the get-go when eating ketogenic. So that's, um, that is, that's what people experience and that's what gets people fired up in the beginning. And it's so awesome. And you just think this is amazing. I can do this for the rest of my life and I want to feel this good every day. So what happens though is I would say just about as many people that have that experience all those exciting things about keto also experience the dreaded keto stall. So in the beginning you have all these you're kind of on this high and you a lot of people lose a lot of weight really quickly um, when you go ketogenic, especially if you're coming from a standard American diet. So you experience that right away. So that's super exciting and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is great. A lot of people immediately start feeling these um, energy surges, which you do once you, um, you know, once you get through the keto adaption period, which can be kind of a bummer for people. You know, you, we talked about that a little bit before, but you start kind of losing um, the energy levels and you're waiting on those enzymes to... Um, ramp up so that you can start digesting and, and running on the, the ketones and the fatty acids other than rather than carbohydrates and it's a whole different enzymatic process so it takes a little while for your body to do that that switch over and the more metabolic issues you have the, the longer that period is but once you get past that and you're keto adapted people just they can't believe how well they can um, they can function and you just, the brain fog is gone and you have all this mental clarity and you have all this, this energy and mood swings are huge. Like I talked about that a couple of uh, podcasts ago for myself, um, specifically even like I noticed my, my mood swings just went away. Like there just were no more mood swings at all. And, um, but that was an amazing thing. So you, you notice that, but then um, you start to kind of, most people start to kind of hit this plateau after a little while. Um, and I, I see it most commonly, uh, two to three month mark. And I've listened to several other experts and other podcasts. Um, of course, I listen to so many of them. And uh, that seems to be the general consensus is it is typically around, I think most people say three months. So I've definitely seen in my client population um, in the between the two to three month, but uh, I I think um, that seems to be kind of the consensus. I don't know what it is about two to three months, and that that's after keto adaption. So I think depending on how long it takes you to keto adapt, that probably stretches that out to be more between like four and five months that you're gonna kind of see that plateau maybe. So anyway, all right, so. Um, there is not one general reason for any person to stall. So you can stall for numerous reasons because we're all individual. We have different metabolic issues. We have different hormone, um, maybe issues or levels. We have uh, different weight to lose. We, there's so many different factors. Um, we, have, we all have different stress levels in our life. We all kind of live life differently and our lifestyles are all a little bit different. So that is... Uh, totally can can determine like what is what is the reason for your stall and it may be more than one reason you may have lots of reasons for a stall 
Um, let's just start by saying that sometimes uh, a stall can really be not even so much a stall as it's just maybe your body kind of, um, that's the word I want to use, like, like, like resetting or kind of recalibrating to this new way of life. So, you know, I have said from the get-go that I, I firmly believe that uh, running on ketones is the way we are meant to be. It is the way our bodies are made. It's, we're all born ketogenic. So, you know, our mother's breast milk, you know, is more than half fat. And um, that is what we thrive on. That's what grows our cells, our brains, makes all these connections you know, we need that fat and we are, we are uh, perfectly adapted to, to run on ketones and to burn fat for fuel. So I think that's the way we're meant to be. But, um, we, most of us live our lives as carb burners and sugar burners. So I think when we try to get back to that, uh, way that we were intended, I think our body can do a little bit of recalibrating here and there every now and then and, um, have to kind of you know, circle the wagons and, and kind of readjust and make sure that everything's functioning the way that it should be. And that's the way our bodies are made to be. And they're amazing, awesome running machines. So, okay. So let's go over some of the, the reasons that you could be stalling. So I'm just going to go through a list of them that I have and we'll talk about them. So number one, this one is super, super common and that is not eating enough. So, you know, often we are just so dead set against taking in more calories that we just don't eat enough. So our metabolism slows and our body tries to hold on to what it can. And that is, that's just kind of because we're all, we have this ingrained in our beings, like our, our very beings are just, it's almost stamped on our souls like this, you know, keep your calories low and um, you know, just not eating too much and we don't want to be a glutton and we don't want to, we don't eat too much and get fat and like all this crazy stuff. And we have got to get away from that thinking. You need to be eating to satiety. You need to eat until you feel full and you don't need to eat anymore. And the problem is, is most of us are, that are eating the standard American diet, we, re we really lose sight of that. We lose sight of what even eating so satiety feels like, like we don't even know what full really is. We don't even know what hunger really is. We know what cravings feel like. We know what eating out of boredom's like. We know like, we know what being so bloated and stuffed after eating these high carb, high sugar foods and all these PUFAs, these polyunsaturated fats, we know what that feels like. And so we, when we, when we start eating ketogenic and, and we are first learning that Sometimes we're just thinking there's no way I'm supposed to eat all this food like this I can't possibly even though we may feel like we can or we want to eat all the food We just think we shouldn't eat all that food So a lot of times you can stall just because you're not eating enough and it and it will slow down your metabolism uh, Just like you know any diet you've ever been on you know ketogenic eating is not a diet It is not a fad diet. It is absolutely sustainable for life um, this is the way we're meant to eat, but we're so used to dieting and watching what we eat and maintaining the calories that come in and, um, and all this type of thing that, uh, and, and the fat, the amount of fat that we eat. So when you move over to a ketogenic diet and you're supposed to eat all this fat and all this good food, 
it's just so hard to wrap our heads around and we just keep thinking there's no way I'm supposed to eat all this. And, and even if you feel like you're hungry and, and you want to eat the food, you're just thinking we kind of have that deprivation mindset all the time. Like, well, you just shouldn't indulge in all that because that's, it's just can't possibly be right. Um, another one that we could, uh, definitely, that could be uh, adding to a stall for us is number two would be staying hydrated. Um, man, this is a huge one. We in general just don't drink enough water anyway. Um, but after we lose all of the initial water weight and we deplete our electrolytes when we move into ketogenic eating, our bodies can decide to hold on to everything because they realize we're dehydrated. So, um, so it's really important to pay attention to your fluid intake and make sure you're getting enough magnesium, potassium, and calcium. Electrolyte deficiency is huge when you start eating ketogenically. Um, we are when you are when you are taking in all the glucose. Um, it is accompanied by water. So when we have all these glycogen stores, we have all this glucose in our blood. We all we we're constantly eating glucose that. Uh, makes us hold on to water. So that bloated feeling that you get, that bloated look, like I look at pictures of myself from like a year ago before I started this lifestyle and I am just shocked. And I was paleo. I mean, I was paleo for a couple of years and, and I have nothing against paleo. I coach clients paleo um, if that's the way that they would like to eat and start out. But for me, uh, that was still too, it was still too much. Um, I was still had too many carbs, um, too much natural sugars, like honey, things like that, that you're allowed on paleo. So I was not watching my carb intake enough for me. And so, um, you know, when you eat too much, when you have too much glucose, too much protein also, um, we know through gluconeogenesis turns into, um, glucose and, and all of that raises our fluid retention and our, so when we start, when we stop eating that way and we move over to this ketogenic way of eating, we don't retain all that water anymore. So that's part of why you start being able to see your muscle tone so much better and, and you, um, all that initial weight up front where you're just like, oh my gosh, I just like lost all this crazy weight in the beginning. A lot of it is water. So that's, um, so that's huge. So we lose a lot of fluid. So we need to make sure that we are um, taking care of that so that we keep our electrolytes um, in balance. That's a big deal. Um, okay, number three, eating too much protein. Okay, I just touched on this one. So gluconeogenesis, we have all heard about that. We've talked about it um, really at nauseum on this podcast already. I'm only six episodes in and I, I would bet you we've talked on touched on gluconeogenesis probably every single episode. So it's hard sometimes to know how much is too much because we're told to eat too much, really. Um, the protein that we are instructed to eat is too high. And, you know, goodness knows, if you are seeing a trainer, if you are at the gym and you're working out and you just listen to conversations or somebody will even just give you their unsolicited advice about what you should be doing to grow your muscles, like I can't tell you how many times my husband who is not a, a big guy, but you know, was trying to get bigger muscle tone, how many times he was told the answer was always upping his protein. I mean, upping his protein till he had like chicken breasts coming out of his eyeballs, you know, like just ridiculous amounts of protein. 
and we cannot store the protein. We've talked about this. You cannot store that. You use it and whatever you don't use can't be stored. So it gets converted and uh, through gluconeogenesis. And then that ends up getting stored in, uh, as triglycerides in our fat storage. That's what happens. So, um, so if you're eating too much protein, that's going to kick you out of ketosis and you're definitely going to hit a plateau. Um, you're going to, you're definitely going to have, uh, you know, you could even have weight gain. Uh, I actually just had a seminar where I met with uh, eight ladies and, and we talk about nutrition. I kind of do an introduction to nutrition. And one of the things that came up with that was uh, you really can't dabble in keto. Um, you can't, you can't, it's not good enough to do it 75% of the time or 75% right because when you're eating high fat, you can't have high carb or high protein because it is, that is just a really super bad combination and you, you will gain weight doing that. So at the very least you'll plateau, but most people will actually see weight gain. So watch your protein intake. Um, number four, too many carbohydrates. So same issues we have with the protein. You know, we often just don't restrict our carbs enough to get into ketosis. And we think that if we eat low carb, moderate protein, high fat, then we're automatically in ketosis. But you're not automatically in ketosis. You really, you really depends on who you are and how much you need to restrict those carbs. But we really need to restrict them till we, so that we can get into ketosis, we can become fat adapted, and then um, we will lose you know, we will continue to lose weight. We'll continue to get to our optimal weight. We'll continue to see health markers improve. We'll continue to see inflammation go down. So, you know, a lot of people will restrict the carbs enough in the beginning to lose a lot of weight. And they think that's awesome. And that means they're in ketosis, but, or, you know, that they're even keto adapted, just restricting carbs isn't going to do it. And just looking at the amount of weight that you lose is not a good indicator of whether or not um, you are keto adapted or you're in ketosis. So very important to, um, to monitor that and watch that and make sure that, that you're, um, you know, watching the carb intake and not leading yourself to a plateau that way. Okay. Uh, number five, you may need to cleanse, um, to clean toxins out of your body. This is huge. Um, I've talked about before on uh, a previous podcast with one of my little tips that I give at the end of most of my podcasts, and I talked about infrared saunas. My number one reason for doing an infrared sauna is cleansing. That is a huge deal to me. Um, even though I eat very clean, I um, watch you know what I put in my body. I watch what I put on my body. I use um, organic. Um, skin creams and shampoos and you know I stay away from as many chemicals as possible I don't wear uh, I do wear uh, some makeup but I don't wear the your mainstream makeup any longer um, I don't put uh, like you know like foundation like base on my skin anymore which I did that forever but though all of those things add to the toxic level in your body you know, I, I am very uh, careful about cleaning products I use, but even if you watch that stuff, you cannot avoid all of the external toxins that you are just subject to just from living in the world that we live in. So you need to keep, you need to cleanse your body. You need to get those toxins out. 
So, you know, often we're just so toxic from poor diets in the past as well that we really just have to help clean them out so that we can help our, uh, you know, our, our bodies along basically because they, they just get so bogged down and, and, and need help being able to cleanse that. So for me, infrared sauna is key in that. Um, I also, there's some herbs that can be really good. There's a, a, a lot of quite a bit of different herbs that you can use and even essential oils. Um, I think two really super good ones are chase berry, chase berry and maca root. Both of those super good for cleansing. Um, another one is coffee enemas. So I know probably that just had a bunch of you crinkle up your nose and say, what, a, a, a what enema? So coffee enemas. Um, do some Googling on coffee enemas. There's lots of great information out there on coffee enemas. Um, you know, your liver, our livers just get so bombarded with toxins and from our foods, our environments right now. Um, one of the really awesome ways to help with liver congestion, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, something I definitely recommend to my clients that are dealing with anything like that or any gallbladder issues is coffee enemas. They, it stimulates the, um, it stimulates the release of a lot of toxins and your, it forces your liver to flush out. Um, so those are really great. You know, I would say doing one, doing a coffee enema in the beginning, um, one or two times a week is, would be a great protocol. And I would just tell you, um, so you can Google it and you can get the information on how to do the coffee enemas. But um, I would encourage you to use a very uh, good, high-quality coffee. And there are some that are specifically for coffee enemas. Um, I specifically have used Bulletproof coffee. And um, they, you know, because you don't want to get a coffee that has a bunch of mitotoxins. And, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, also, make sure that you are using caffeinated coffee. There is an element of the caffeine that that helps this to work and uh, do not do it in the afternoon <laughs> you don't want to do anything later in the day because just like drinking coffee with caffeine especially if you are sensitive to caffeine um, you will absorb that caffeine um, when you do the enemy the enema and um, and that can keep you up all night so you don't want to be doing that Okay, um, and uh, let's see. And then, oh, and another thing um, coffee enemas are really good for is um, also candida. So um, that is something that I've dealt with in the past, um, a, a candida overgrowth in my gut. And that is another huge issue that you could be dealing with and will absolutely keep you from uh, getting to your optimal weight and your optimal health. Um, candida overgrowth is super common now. Um, in America and every time we eat carbohydrates it feeds that and just continues to uh, to multiply the candida and that's how we get this really big overgrowth so ketogenic diets specifically is super good for getting rid of candida and getting that well I shouldn't say getting rid of you you you're not going to get rid of it you're going to balance it so we have candida in our guts but we need that to be in more of a balance um, so everything works properly and we get this, this overgrowth of candida and the good guys get blocked out and, um, 
and from our poor diets. So ketogenic diet really helps with that anyway. So that would be, that's another huge thing though that can put you at this plateau. So in the beginning, especially if you're dealing, dealing with candida, you may wanna cut your carbohydrates back to almost zero. Um, and that can be a really good way to eradicate that. Okay, number six on the list here I have is too much stress. All right, so too much stress, this is huge. I mean, I think probably most Americans have too much stress. So unless you're living on a beach somewhere, and my husband always says when he retires, he would just love to live in a shack on the beach and sell surfboards. <laughs> I don't think there'd be a whole lot of stress in that unless um, maybe you're worried about like hurricanes and stuff. But otherwise, I think that'd be a pretty non-stressful job. But, but for anybody else that's living in our day-to-day -day normal lives, you're running kids' places, you're going to work, you're dealing with deadlines at work, you're dealing with um, family members and and friends and, and health issues and all of these things that we deal with is so much stress. So some tips that I have for you is if you're dealing with stress, try meditating, okay? Meditation can be as short as five to 10 minutes. Um, you can use that meditation time to pray. You can use that time to reflect on things you're grateful for. You can use that time um, just to try and um, uh, focus on nothing, basically. Um, just try to, to sit and, and think about nothing and just use that time to meditate just five to 10 minutes. Just give your, you just give, you just want to give your brain a break and, and, and just try to, try to shut everything out for a little bit. Um, uh, gargling salt water is, is a big deal. Um, this helps with your uh, parasympathetic nervous system same as meditation, and that is a huge thing for helping you to deal with stress um, and keep your stress levels low. So if you can gargle for just like five minutes a day, that's a big one. Again, I'm gonna go back to my infrared sauna, 20 to 30 minutes a day, three to five times per week. So if you don't have an infrared sauna, and I get it, I know most people don't have an infrared sauna, that's fine. There are places that you can go, generally in every city, you can find places, um, gyms and spas that do have an infrared sauna and you can use that. Infrared saunas are huge for detoxing and that really helps with your stress levels. Um, also, try not to stress out about macros and your food intake. Just when you start a ketogenic diet and you're, you know, I, I do recommend that people start off measuring your macros and just so you get an idea of what that looks like and what your you know, once you kind of understand that, and most people kind of hover around eating the same foods anyway. So once you understand what those foods, how, you know, what your macros look like, how much fat and protein and carbs are in all of those things that you're eating, you don't need to continue to track it. I think tracking um, anything, car or uh, calories or macronutrients or anything like that can be super stressful and can add to that stress level. So I would suggest you try to get away from that and try not to stress out about that. Um, I think it's important that you know that you're keto adapted and you know you're in ketosis. I think you should test for that from time to time, but don't let that, um, you know, don't let yourself get stressed out about that and, and don't let that rule you because that absolutely can be a huge reason that a person would plateau um, is just dealing with this added stress. Stress, stress absolutely adversely affects us as far as weight is concerned. So we need to 
we need to definitely keep that in a minimum. Okay, number seven, um, I would say try some more exercise or less exercise or a different exercise. So number seven is just exercise. What is your exercise routine? What does your exercise look like? You might need to switch that up. Um, I know a lot of women that are, you know, are kind of chronic dieters and um, always super concerned about uh, their weight and how they look. And I get that. I mean, we're women. We, you know, society tells us we should worry about all those things, um, which just adds to stress, like we just talked about. But a lot of women will take that too far. And they're, you know, and I, listen, I was this person too, you know, up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning so that I could get my, my hour, hour and a half workout in. I mean, sometimes I'd be at the gym for two hours because I'd work out for an hour, hour and a half. I'd do lifting. I'd always do, you know, 20 minutes of cardio along with whatever, uh, whatever lifting I was doing that day, whether it was legs and back or, you know, arms and, you know, abs or whatever I was working on. And then by the time, then I would get in the sauna, a dry sauna at the gym. And by the time I was done with that, and then I got cleaned up and changed. And I, when I'd be at the gym, like I'd need an hour and a half, two hours. So I'd have to start my day at 4.30 in the morning and get to the gym by five. And that's stressful. Like that is stressful, even if you enjoy it. Like I actually enjoyed going to the gym and I was super pumped about doing it. And but I'm just, I'm not telling you shouldn't do it. I'm just telling you, you need to do what's right for you. So notice if that's, um, you know, if that's too much, if that's stressing you out, if you're hitting a plateau or you're not finding the results that you want, maybe you need to change that up. Maybe you need to start um, going a little bit later and just doing a quicker workout or, um, or just working out a, a smaller set of muscles or, or doing cardio and muscles at, you know, weightlifting at a different time. And trying to spread that out a little bit. Maybe you go less days a week. Um, maybe you know. Maybe you just go later in the day. Maybe try a different time of day. Um, more exercise is also possible. I mean, maybe you're not exercising at all, and you know, you we stop moving, we die. You got to get out and move. You got to move your body. Sedentary lifestyle that we were not meant for, and that's not good for us. So your joints need to move. Your brain needs you to move. Your muscles need you to move. Your cardiovascular system needs you to move. So, you know, maybe you don't go to the gym. I don't even go to the gym anymore. I haven't been to the gym to work out in, in probably over a year now. And I am in the best shape that I have been in probably in my life at pushing 40 years old. So I, um, you know, my workout routine is uh, I do HIIT training, which is high intensity interval training, H-I-I-T. Um, I do HIIT training. I do it right on my street. I live on, um, you know, a pretty quiet street. So I, with a couple of side streets that run off of it. So I will do like a 15 minute HIIT session where, you know, I will run full out um, for, you know, I have a couple of different programs on there, but let's say I run full out for 30 seconds and then I'll do a 45 second recovery or a 30 second recovery or a 20 second recovery of just walking, kind of let my, my heart rate come down a little bit again. And then I just hit it again as hard as I can for 30 seconds or 45 seconds or whichever program I'm doing. And, um, so I kind of do that up and down, up and down, up and down, and I'll do, you know, however many rounds, eight rounds, 10 rounds of that. And then that's it. So I will do that up my street, down the side streets, and back home. And that's my HIIT training. 
It's quick. It's easy. I get it done in 15 minutes. It really, I, I mean, I really work up a sweat. It's really good. And when you're running at your all out intensity, you're controlling the intensity. So it's not like you're going to get used to doing this. And I vary the I vary the intervals so that my, you know, I'm, I'm not doing the same thing each time, but, um, you know, you're running at your all out intensity. So what my intensity level would have been maybe when I started doing this a year ago is different than what it is now. You know, I can, my endurance is certainly up. I can really run hard and fast now compared to what I did before. But so I'm always increasing that, my ability to do that. Um, maybe doing some yoga that kind of goes in with um, doing some of the meditation work and the stress relieving work. So maybe yoga is something you need to pull, put into your practice of exercise. Um, walking, you can just get out and walk, you know, take an hour walk, um, just go walk down the road as far as you can, you know, a half hour one direction and then come back. That's really, really good for you. Probably one of the um, most constructive, best exercises any of us can do is just get out and move. Um, weight training, maybe you're not doing any weights and maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to add a little bit of weight training to your workout um, regimen and get some of that uh, strength training in there. You know, it's super good for you. Uh, weight training is, is excellent. It's great for bone density. It's great for your joints and obviously good for your muscles. Um, so, you know, those are just some ideas. Those are some things to try, you know, change it up, maybe do more, maybe do less. So just play with that. Also, um, maybe try working out while fasting. So I know there's lots of different schools of thought on this. Um, I definitely am a proponent of working out while fasting. I do not, you know, I, I have read many, many, um, studies on working out and your, and, and, um, and weight training and, and I think working out fasted is a great place to be. I think that can be really good. Um, again, it comes back to some of the things that we're taught and we're told, uh, as we're, as we're working out and we're, um, maybe working with trainers or whatever is this, um, whole idea that you need, um, carbohydrates to fuel yourself when you're working out. Well, if you're ketogenic, you don't need that. Now, are there some people that depending on the exercise that they do, they maybe would benefit from some carbs. There are some carb practices that you can do. I would urge you to look into that. I will be doing a podcast in the future where I am going to talk about some of the science behind working out and do you really need carbohydrates? Which athletes um, could benefit from carbohydrates, those types of things. Again, it's highly individualized, but you know, if you've hit a plateau and you're trying, you, you can't figure out what to do, you, you know, you've tried switching some things up, that's one of the things you can try. Just try, you know, maybe try not doing the carbs to work out if you are, maybe try not doing the protein if you're doing the protein when working out. Those are all some options that you can try. Okay, um, and then that takes us to number eight. How about maybe you just need to fast in general? So um, I don't I don't think that everybody that's uh, eating keto needs to fast. I don't think fasting is um, a requirement, but I do think that sometimes fasting can break that plateau for you. Um, sometimes you can just need to maybe try an intermittent fasting routine or even a longer fast. 
um, just to kind of reset yourself. So I, I do both and I have found them hugely beneficial for me and um, definitely was a huge thing for me um, when I experienced the plateau myself and my weight loss and my energy levels and those types of things. I, I knew I was not at my ideal weight and I was very frustrated because I thought, well, I'm still doing everything the same and why, is, why have I hit this plateau and, and why has my energy level seemed to plateau? And actually my energy level, I felt like it actually dipped a little bit and my sleep started becoming disturbed and I, I didn't feel like I was doing, um, like my, I felt like things were just off. Like what is happening? I'm almost moving backwards, I felt like. So um, for me, that opened up opened it up for me was fasting. So um, I practice intermittent fasting uh, constantly, really. I mean, I do it pretty much every day. I vary it because I do think that you should vary it. I think that when you're fasting, um, your body can get very used to it, and that can also cause a plateau. If you're doing the exact same uh, eating pattern every day, day in, day out, your body will get used to that. And then you know, it's smart. So then it'll start to conserve energy and wait for you when you're going to have that next meal. And it, it has all these little tricks and that can cause you to plateau. So um, changing it up a lot when you're fasting can help. So I may eat my last bite of food at seven o'clock uh, at night, and then I may not eat again, which is pretty common for me until two or three o'clock the next day, where I'll have a kind of a smaller late lunch or snack type of food. Um, like some cheese and salami or something and some, you know, maybe a salad and then we'll have our dinner a few hours later and then maybe I won't eat again until the next day. But, you know, change that up. So, um, you know, that, that could really help you. Longer fast as well. I do a, a 24 to 72 hour fast usually once, um, sometimes twice a month, just depending on how I'm feeling. And I really let my body tell me when I need to do that. There are times that I just kind of will get this feeling like, you know what, I have the next couple of days that I don't have anything going on. You know, you don't want to plan a longer and extended fast if you know that you have dinner at your mother-in-law's house coming up or you have a cookout to go to at the neighbor's house or you're going to go to a wedding or a birthday party. Don't plan a fast around those social activities that involve eating because that just creates stress. That makes it stressful for you. So plan, plan a longer fast like that when you have a couple or three days that you don't have anything going on and, and take time to, to fast and, and, um, give yourself that break, give your, give your body that break, that kind of reset. I have never done an extended fast that I was finished with and said, man, I can't, I, that really, you know, stinks. I feel terrible. Wish I hadn't done that. Never, ever has that happened. I always feel so good when I'm finished with them and my energy levels restored and I, I always just feel so good. So that's a great uh, thing to help you with your plateau. Okay, number nine, a reason that you could be plateauing is not enough sleep. This is huge. We don't get enough sleep. Pretty much all of America, I'm convinced, is chronically sleep deprived. We just don't get enough. Um, and when we do get enough as far as hours, we're just not getting good quality of sleep. So here's some tips, okay? Try putting away the electronics at least an hour before bed. One hour. That will give you time to um, 
that'll give you time for your melatonin production, for um, your cortisol levels to, to drop. That gives you time to kind of get into this sleep mode, okay? Um, in addition to turning off your electronics, try taking an Epsom salt bath before bed. Now, this was actually my tip in the last podcast, um, kind of my health tip, uh, lifestyle tip, whatever you want to call it, at the end of last podcast was doing an Epsom salt bath. Um, I also had told you in that episode that I like, I love essential oils, and one of the essential oils that I love is I will put a drop of lavender in my Epsom salt bath. So um, your body is going to absorb all that magnesium and sodium. It's so good for you. And, um, and, and the lavender is so relaxing and, and just helps de-stress you and helps get you, just preps you for bed. I love to do really, really very hot water, um, Epsom salt. I put, a, I put um, one to two cups of Epsom salt in my bath. I put two or three drops of lavender, and then I like to turn off the lights in the bathroom, and I just have candles lit around the bath. Um, that is an, another, that kind of leads me to my next tip, is try to turn the lights down an hour before bed. So in addition to your electronics, try turning your lights down. Maybe just use some lower wattage bulbs. Don't have all the bright overhead lights on, and and you know, just turn, turn the lights down, get it a little darker that that's going to get you into the circadian rhythm. That's going to get your, you know, everything, um, just ready for bed. That's just a great way to prep your body and don't eat or drink, um, two to three hours before bed. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, I, I do a lot of late dinners. Um, I have to say we stay pretty busy. Um, a lot of times, my husband and I, especially if we're going out with, with friends, we tend to eat a late dinner, like, you know, 8 o'clock or so is what it seems to be. So when that happens, okay, that's fine. I'm probably not going to make it to bed that night until 11 or 12 anyway. So, um, you know, so I'm probably going to fall within that two to three hours. But if you can try not to drink or eat anything two to three hours before bed, um, that will that will help you. Okay, number 10. Um, reason that you could be hitting a plateau is not eating enough fat. So you may be eating low carb and moderate protein and you're just not eating enough fat. So uh, this goes along with not eating enough calories um, and enough food like we talked about earlier. Um, you really have got to keep that fat level high enough so that you continue to lose weight and not start catabol catabolizing your muscle. Um, so when we get into what was referred to as starvation mode, which, um, you know, we're kind of, it's kind of drilled into our heads that if you like fasting, for instance, I just told you one of the reasons, one of the ways that you could maybe get through this plateau and what worked for me, um, is fasting, but people equate fasting with starving. And I have heard even keto experts and, and some of the, some of the people in the keto world out there and, and talking about keto that I feel like have a lot of stuff together and they're really smart on 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 so many things and they, and they have so much good information but I have heard them saying that fasting is equivalent to starving that could not be more wrong it could I mean it's just not right 
it's just not right. It's not biochemically right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Our bodies are, we are made to do that. We're made to thrive if we are fasting. That is the whole reason that our bodies biochemically work the way that they do. There were, and I understand that we don't live in a hunter-gatherer society anymore, and I understand that we don't have the feast or famine, at least most of us don't have the feast or famine lifestyle that we would have had in those types of environments. But I also know that we have the same bodies and the same biochemistry, the same nutritional functioning that we did then, and our bodies store things for a reason. And we store the extra things because they are waiting for us to have the famine. They're waiting for the fast to come that, that we are going to need to then call on those stores. And it is perfectly natural and it is perfectly normal and it is perfectly healthy. And there are so many things that happen when we fast. We Autophagy happens when we fast. That's cell death. That is programmed cell death, So, um, which is actually apoptosis. Autophagy is what happens inside certain parts of the cells. But that we need to fast to bump that process up and to be able to get rid of some of these um, cells that are just old and have hung around too long. When we fast, our body is programmed that when we do a, a fast like that, we get rid of those things. We bump up human growth hormone. Um, the levels um, peak around 36 hours of a fast. So um, when we fast, we are bumping up things like human growth hormone, which is so important for our bodies. It's so good for us, especially as we age. You know, it's it's this anti-aging uh, hormone for us. And, and it's, it's a good thing to bump up the production of that as we get older so that, um, you know, we're not as we get older, it just continues to drop off and drop off and drop off. So I think as we get older, fasting becomes even more important. So, um, so anyway, we're back to, <laughs> let's get back to not eating enough fat. But I think what happens is the reason I even got off on this tangent is what happens is we equate and we're told that if you, um, that if you, if you fast or if you're, um, starving you're not you're not getting you know you're you're we're, we're so focused on these calories but that if we if we starve then we cut our calories back that we're going to lose weight but that's that's not true so fasting is not cutting calories back um to me fasting is not eating anything although from what i understand the definition of fasting is no more than 500 calories a day um, now I will do periods of fasting, my longer periods of fasting, I do add in bone broth, but I am nowhere near 500 calories a day, even with the bone broth. I'm taking in a very small amount of bone broth and, um, and that is mostly for the electrolytes and the micronutrients that I'm getting out of that. Um, but, uh, regardless, so when we're cutting our calories, we do, our body does go into the quote unquote starvation mode. And that is when we try to start hanging on to everything because it's like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like she was feeding me before. Now we must be in a famine here because now she's not feeding me and I'm just getting a little bit of food. And instead of reaching into the stores and using what it needs to use when you're fasting, because it understands that you're just not eating and that's fine, we're taking a break, I'm going to use what I've got stored. When you're starving and your calorie, you know, you start taking in less and less calories, 
your body gets wise to that and it will stop using as many calories. It is a completely different mechanism than when you completely cut out the food. Fasting does not lower your metabolic rate. In most cases, it will actually bump it up because it wants you to have more energy to be able to go out and find the food that you need. But when you're starving or when you're, you have this, def this deficit, you're getting a little bit but not enough, then it will slow down your metabolic rate because it thinks, okay, we, we're not getting enough food, but um, so we need, to, we, need to, we need to pull this back and, and, and hold on to this until we start getting enough food again. So it's when you feast, you feast. When you fast, you fast. So what happens a lot of times with us is we have this in our heads. So then we start thinking the same thing with the fat, just like I was talking about earlier with the food that we're taking in. We're not taking in enough food and we're not taking in enough fat because we have it in our heads that we need to watch the calories. And oh my gosh, fat is so much heavier on calories than carbs and, and protein. I mean, fat is nine grams where protein and carbs are only four. So we know that the more fat we take in makes sense to the more calories we're eating and that can't be good, but that's wrong. So um, if we're lacking on the fat or we're lacking on the amount of food we're taking in, that can cause us to hit a plateau because we can be reducing our metabolic rate and our body is holding on to that because it's trying to help us out. Okay, number 11, too much sugar substitutes or just sugar substitutes in, in general. I know that um, when we are going from even a paleo diet, but um, any diet that allows us to have sugar or any types of sweeteners, we often will, um, when we move to a ketogenic diet, we start looking for replacements for those because we don't want to give up the sweets. We still are having that hard time giving those up. So um, a lot of people will get these. There are great low-carb sweeteners out there. Um, there's great ones, and I see lots of yummy desserts that um, are definitely made to look like the ones that I used to indulge in, and they look amazing. Um, but a lot of these sweeteners, even if they're, you know, quote unquote natural or, um, or they're supposed to be good for you or, or at least not bad for you, they still can raise blood sugar, even if they're not sugar. So maybe if you're having, if you're hitting a plateau, give those sugar substitutes a break. Maybe step away from those a little bit. And I'll tell you what, and you'll thank me in the future anyway, because when you stop eating all the sugary um, like things and the things that still get, are giving you that sweet taste and you're upping your fat, you are going to lose that sweet tooth. You are going to lose the desire for that. Like I used to make these things when I first started doing ketogenic eating and I would make all these sweets all the time and I was finding all these, I mean, I was like obsessed about finding these replacement recipes for all these things. And now the only time I do that is if I'm making, I'm trying to make something ketogenic for my family, mostly my kids, that they can enjoy that sweet and, and I know it's going to be a little bit healthier for them. So I'm trying to find ways to do that. But I'm telling you, if when you get away from that stuff, you just really lose the craving. So um, just try cutting it out. That could really help when you hit a plateau. Okay. And another one, number 12 is too much dairy. Dairy can definitely trip people up. Um, I don't specifically uh, drink milk. I don't specifically have something against milk. 
Um, but for a lot of people, it can be a problem. First of all, there's a lot of sugar in milk, and there's just a lot of people that can't tolerate dairy very, very well. So it can cause a reaction and definitely lead to a stall in weight loss. Um, you also might be sensitive to milk and you don't even realize it. Um, like with uh, like a milk allergy, like um, you might be allergic or have a, a reaction to the protein in milk, the casein. Um, or a dairy allergy, which is when, or an intolerance, which is when you have an issue with the sugar that's in milk, which is the lactose. And even eating too much cheese, um, just that form of dairy even, there is a lot of protein in cheese. And I love cheese. I eat a lot of it. Um, but you do have to calculate that in with your what your, your protein is. So that's another reason that I advocate for watching macros in the beginning because that kind of gives you an idea of when you do eat cheese and you like that and, and you're combining that with all these other things in your diet, it kind of helps you to understand how much protein is actually in that and um, gives you a better idea so that maybe you can avoid some of these downfalls um, and either not hit the plateau or be able to recognize when you do plateau some of the things that you might be doing and be able to, to change that and kind of pull yourself out of that. So, um, okay, well, I have definitely talked enough on here today and have made this a one of my longer episodes. Um, so I am not going to give a tip for the day today. Um, I do want to just remind you, um, if you have any um, questions or or uh, need any additional information about my services as a nutrition coach or anything I can can help you with, you can um, get more information about me on my website. It's um, jessicatai.com. So you can also go there to listen to uh, my past podcast episodes. I'm also able to be found um, on any of the podcast apps as well as Facebook and Instagram. My Facebook um, nutrition page is Jessica Tai Nutrition, and you can go on there, like that page, and um, you will get notices when I post some things on there. I like to post some videos um, once or twice a week, and I poke it, uh, will post some interesting articles and things like that. I also post when new podcasts are available and out there. And you can follow me on Instagram. I do a lot of food um, pictures and, and meal posting and uh, restaurants that I'm trying out and things like that on Instagram. And Instagram's uh, just kind of a more fun environment that I post uh, things that we're out doing or eating or hanging out with or things like that. Um, so you can find me there um, at that keto blonde. So on Instagram, it is that keto blonde. So, okay. Well, that's about it. That's all the time I have. Actually, I'm way out of time. So thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week. And I hope that you guys have a great week and keep it coming with the suggestions for podcast episodes. That helps me so much to get out there what you want to listen to. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. This episode of Keto Lifestyle is brought to you by the How Did He Know app. How Did He Know is a revolutionary app that delivers daily customized tips to help men become better husbands and partners and reap the rewards that come from happy, fulfilling relationships. For more information, visit their website at www.howdidhenow.com or download it from the App Store today for iTunes or Android. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 